Pentagon officials release a review of Secretary Lloyd Austin's hospitalization. What were the breakdowns in communication? Produced by Defense News and Military Times, this is the Early Bird Brief. Each morning, we bring you the defense and national security news of the day. We took some immediate steps to ensure that there were actions taken to improve communication with organizations uh, such as the White House and the President. Also, a branch of the military passed an audit for the first time ever. What does this all mean for our defense and security? You'll find out. I'm your host, Simone Perez. Today is Tuesday, February 27th, 2024. First up, the Pentagon released its 30-day review of Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's hospitalization and subsequent failure to notify the president. The, the secretary himself has recognized the need for more transparency as it relates to the Office of the Secretary of Defense and his duties. Uh, And so, again, you've seen us since this work very hard, particularly, for example, you know, working with his doctors to try to provide as much information about his medical status and condition when he does go to the hospital. Uh, So, again, I'm, I'm offering, what I'm highlighting here is what the review found in terms of why we got to where we got. Pentagon Bureau Chief Megan Myers joins us live from the Pentagon. So, Megan... What were the major findings to come out of this 30-day review? So the review filled in a couple of blanks uh, about the timeline of Austin's hospitalization, but also um, the kind of series of events that led to first the Pentagon not notifying the White House and Congress until January 4th that he was in the hospital, despite him going to the emergency room on January 1st, but also um, the reason that Deputy Defense Secretary Kathleen Hicks was not informed of why she was taking over authorities on January 2nd. Part of that was apparently because she often has to take over those authorities temporarily um, for Secretary Austin and usually isn't told why. Um, And within the review, there are recommendations that A, update that so that going forward, the deputy will be informed of why they are taking over authorities. Um, But there will also be new policies and protocols for deciding when authorities should be transferred and also how and when um, the chain of command should be notified. So, for instance, the White House, Congress, and then perhaps putting out a statement about uh, an incapacitation. And during the briefing, the press corps had a number of pressing questions for Pentagon officials, some saying that the review led to more questions than answers. What did those inquiries entail? So a lot of it had to do with the timeline and some of the some of the reasoning. So we had kind of been made aware of, you know, this is when Austin went into the hospital. This is when his chief of staff found out. There were a lot of lingering questions based on the findings of the report, which part of it was that, um, you know, staff felt like they couldn't ask questions about where the secretary was and also that they couldn't share any information that they had, uh, the limited amount of information that they had. There were concerns about privacy laws. So, you know, the press corps had a lot of questions about what privacy laws were people concerned about. Um, you know, HIPAA is is a well-known privacy law, but HIPAA really only governs healthcare workers, um, health insurance administrators who have access to that information. They're not allowed to share it without authorization. The secretary's chief of staff is not bound by HIPAA to keep her from informing the president that the, that the secretary of defense is hospitalized. Um, and that bore out also in the timeline because 
we learned um, that the secretary's chief of staff was informed by a military aide who was informed by Austin's security detail who went to the hospital with him that he had been hospitalized. So there was some chain of information sharing. It just sort of stopped at um, at the chief of staff. And we really don't have an answer as to why she felt like she shouldn't tell the president or she shouldn't tell Congress. Another important story, for the first time ever, a branch of the U.S. military passed a full financial audit. The branch in question? The U.S. Marine Corps. For more on that milestone, naval warfare reporter Megan Eckstein joins the episode. So Megan, how big of a deal is it that the Marine Corps passed a full financial audit? And also, why did it take so long for this to happen? Um, that's a very good question, and I also found myself wondering why it was such a big deal and why it took so long. My brother is an accountant, and this makes much more sense to him. Uh, but basically, you know, the military knows how much money they have spent to procure ships and airplanes and ammunition and, you know, anything that in their inventory. They know what they spent to buy it. Uh, they know where it is. Um, they know how much they spend to maintain it. They know how much... You know, it would sell as a used item, you know, its current value. But the military has never had systems that all talk to each other, and they've never been able to make themselves ready to prove that they have not only the proper value of a ship, for example, but that they can prove exactly where that ship is at any given time and prove to an independent auditor that the ship is there in the condition they say it's in and that it's worth what they say it's worth. Um, Now, that seems kind of silly when you're talking about something as big as a ship, but when you start talking about ammunition and weapons and spare parts, um, it all adds up, and it's all really about accountability to the American taxpayer, really, um, to be able to prove transparently that they still own everything they say they own, it is where it's supposed to be, and that they can prove it exists and it's worth the value that they spent on it. And moving to a more broad view, how does this news stand out from past financial audits of the Defense Department? Uh, The short answer is never. The Defense Department has never passed a full financial audit, and none of the DOD military services have until the Marine Corps' announcement last week that they passed their audit. Um, So it's a really big deal. And part of what the Marines told me was that it is very difficult to get the first audit done within one fiscal year. Because they're essentially asked to verify the location and the value of everything in the inventory. And so they actually asked for an extension. They couldn't quite get it done in one year. They kept getting close, but not being able to get over the finish line in a one-year time. And so they kept failing their audits. Um, But the Marines felt that they were getting very close. And so they asked for this extension. And they were able to successfully pass their full financial audit. So what this means is that from here on out, they can assume everything in the past is correct and they only will have to, for every subsequent year's audit, they will only have to validate everything that they purchased and everything that's new for that fiscal year. So it makes it a much smaller scope going forward for every subsequent year. So I think what we're going to see going forward is the Army, the Air Force, and the Navy Um, and other components within the Defense Department looking at this model of asking for an extension, getting this big audit of everything done, and then only having to do smaller scope ones going forward. I think this could be a model that we see the other parts of the DOD try to pursue going forward. 
Also on your radar for today, an active duty member of the U.S. Air Force has died after he set himself ablaze outside the Israeli embassy in Washington, D.C. The airman reportedly declared while outside the embassy that he would, quote, no longer be complicit in genocide. The Metropolitan Police Department said 25-year-old Aaron Bushnell of San Antonio, Texas, died from his injuries. The incident happened as Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is seeking cabinet approval for a military operation in the southern Gazan city of Rafa. Netanyahu's move is happening simultaneously as a temporary ceasefire deal is being negotiated. But Israel's military offensive in Gaza has drawn criticisms and claims of genocide against Palestinians. Israel has denied those allegations and said their operations are in line with international law. Sunday's incident is the second self-immolation to occur in recent months. In December, a person outside the Israeli consulate in Atlanta set themselves on fire. A Palestinian flag was found at the scene, and the act was believed to be one of, quote, extreme political protest. And now, here are some other stories that we're hearing chirps about. In case you missed it, two soldiers died Friday when a Mississippi National Guard Apache helicopter crashed near the city of Boonville. North American Aerospace Defense Command said a small, non-threatening balloon was intercepted by a fighter jet over Utah on Friday. The New York Times reported that documents show a senior Capitol Hill staffer is under congressional investigation. Frequent trips to Ukraine's war zones and providing Ukraine's military with what the staffer said was $30,000 in sniper equipment are being called into question. And Hungary's parliament voted yesterday to ratify Sweden's bid to join NATO. And on this day in history, in 1933, the building that housed the German parliament in Berlin burned down. Nazi leadership and their partners used the fire to claim that communists were planning a violent uprising, paving the way for the rise of the Nazi regime. That's it for us this morning. To get more top stories and breaking news, go to defensenews.com EBB to subscribe to the Early Bird Brief newsletter. Please give us a like, rating, and a comment wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on social media at defense underscore news and at military times. The Early Bird Brief is hosted and produced by me, Zimone Z. Perez. Today's episode featured stories by Megan Myers, Megan Eckstein, and the Associated Press. Our editor-in-chief is Mike Bruce. Have a great day.